Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 280 of this bad boy. KB and Matt coming at you live from Underground Studios. As always, show brought to you by our incredible local sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center, of Vineland, and of course, our friends over at Tomahawk Shades. You guys see me wearing the Blue Light Plus glasses that they have available to you every single live show. Tomahawk Shades is the best in the business. Head over to their website right now. Check out all they have to offer with their sunglasses, Blue Light Plus glasses. You only get one set of eyes, and you got to protect those bad boys as much as possible. Fill up your cart. Get everything that you think you need to protect your eyeballs. And then when you go to checkout, use our promo code USP to save 25% off your order. That's right. Promo code USP saves you 25% off your next order at TomahawkShades.com. And any order that you go and place with our friends at Tomahawk Shades, the best in the business. And all orders right now, $75 and over, qualify for free shipping. And of course, this show would not be running at the highest speeds possible without support from our friends at Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience, and that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. And just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. And guys, when I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery in the Lawnmower 3.0 will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer, more effective shave. Plus, the waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. And one of the coolest features on the Lawnmower 3.0 is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with Quiet Stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand that allows you to show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. So if you guys are listening to this podcast right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Go trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. Your balls 
will thank you. That's right, get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code USP. It might be no shave November, but you still got to trim your balls. What's going on, Matt? I am living the dream, mostly. It has been uh, quite a wild ride since uh, our last show, and Daryl Morey officially introduced by our Philadelphia 76ers, and lots has unfolded there since. Um, Daryl had his press conference, seemed very enthused about being here, said he couldn't give up the opportunity to be working with a guy like Doc Rivers, somebody like Elton Brand, and uh, he's very excited about Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons as well. Yeah, um, I think he, he copied the Bryce Harper playbook, a lot of pandering <laughs> in his uh, kind of opening statements and stuff, but um, altogether, all things that you wanted to hear, you're not going to hear like any of his actual plans for this team, and obviously good that the intention is to keep Ben and Joel together, uh, but it is funny that think like 36 hours after that like initial press conference and everything how uh, you hear sham saying that there's rumors about harden coming to philadelphia and there's interest there how much of that is true it's so hard to say because i don't see how daryl doesn't give at least joel and ben the chance you know even for right. half a season i think it's very very unlikely either of them gets moved um whereas you would say it's more likely than not that one of tobias or horford or both is is gone um but we don't really know yet i think so much is still up in the air and obviously we don't even know when the season's coming back there's <laughs> there's a huge kind of uh i don't know if you'd call it a vote but i guess a meeting coming up in the next week there's supposed to be at least about what to do with the season mm -hmm. i know the owners want to be back december 22nd um and they want a 72 game season the players not necessarily hot on that idea and i don't blame them that's a really quick turnaround um, especially for guys that were competing far into the league. But, you know, I, I think a lot of sports leagues are going to be struggling with this type of thing where half the league uh, just wrapped up in, say, September, whereas the other half has been done since March. Uh, you know, I think hockey is going to have a similar kind of barrier to break through here. Um, but the NBA, you, we don't really even have any of those details finalized yet. And I think so much is in the air, it's hard to say that um, teams have been fielding a lot of calls for like personnel changes and, <laughs> and trades and stuff like that. But yeah, everything you've heard from Daryl so far has been great. And it's, it's crazy how much stock, uh, how much the, the Sixers stock has risen in the past week and a half with, with hiring Daryl Morey and, um, you know, just give such a more positive spin on, on the way this team was trending. Yeah. And I mean, he just seems like he has like a, a renewed sense of like excitement for, you know, the job that he does. Um, I don't think that he regrets his time in Houston. Obviously he did a fantastic job with the Rockets, but I feel like he thinks this is a new challenge that he can take on. And, um, you know, he said, when you get an opportunity to work with players like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, you, you don't turn that down. He thinks that they can absolutely work together, win together and I think that was the most, you know, you expected to hear that, obviously, from Daryl Morey. And as Howard Eskin said, uh, you know, he's got to say nice things uh, his first day. And then Daryl said, when do I have to say nice things about you? Um, so he's already one of us. But, you know, I think this is one of those things where he's coming in and has no real intentions of breaking that duo up and is doing what I think 
obviously 99% of Sixers fans want, and that's to build around Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget, too, like, the Chris Paul, James Harden backcourt wasn't, when that move initially happened, people weren't saying what a great fit that was. There was lots of questions on how that was going to work, and that was one of the, the best Rockets teams, one of the best NBA teams of this decade. Um, it was a very, very talented group. So it's not like he's not used to building with maybe, you know, unfamiliar or perceptively uncompatible pieces. Um, and I think Ben and Joel can absolutely co- – I mean, we've seen it. We've, we've seen this team have uh, success with both of them at, at you know two, three years ago um, and be a good team. I think the, the issue is, is the building around the edges has been brutal. Um, and we've already lamented on the fact that we've given away so many assets and Daryl isn't going to have the chance really to to mold this team necessarily mm-hmm. the way he wanted to. He's going to have to do a, a pretty pretty extensive cleanup, I think, to, to get back to a level where he's probably going to want us to be. Um, but it's also not like this is a team that desperately needs a rebuild. I think right. this is, you know, you're several moves away from being a kid. And I mean, even then, you know, this is a team as much as we've been dogging on them is going to still be a playoff team next year. Obviously the East is getting stronger, but you know, you're, you're still expected to be right now. I think you'd pencil the Sixers as a no worse than a six seed. Yeah. Um, it's probably around that area now. So yeah, I, I think I still think this is a strong group and I'd be totally shocked to see one of them beat or, or Simmons gone just because that, that seems foolish to not even see, with all the new pieces that you've added coaching wise and whatever ends up happening with, with free agency and draft and any additional personnel um, decisions, I think it'd be really, really not smart to, to at least see what you, you have with the both of them, what you can do and achieve. And obviously since Daryl's gotten here, we talked about how the James Harden, uh, you know, they're going to quote unquote pursue James Harden in trade, uh, you know, discussions and things like that. And the Rockets are, Obviously not to that tune of, of wanting to trade James Harden, rightfully so. He's their franchise player. Um, but more and more trade ideas have been floated around. Friend of the show, Sixers Adam, uh, wrote an article for the rights to Ricky Sanchez um, bringing up the possibility of trading for Victor Oladipo. Um, and then today, it seems like Shams is dropping news at the most inopportune times uh, over the past 48 hours or so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, there's bigger breaking news. <laughs> which, I mean, I would not be shocked if Shams drops that news as well. Yeah. Um, Who was it that dropped... Um, was it Woj that... Or, no, Sh- what did he drop that was... Shams like, dropped that uh, he had COVID, Donald Trump right? had COVID. <laughs> which is like such a bizarre <laughs> scoop for him to have. Um. Shams also came out today saying that the Pelicans are open to discussing trades for Drew Holiday, which obviously Sixers fans are going to jump all over. And I've already seen probably 16 screenshots of trade machine, successful trades of Tobias Harris and Al Horford going to the Pelicans in exchange for Drew Holiday and JJ Redick with the caption, bring them home, Daryl. Yeah, it's... um. It's interesting. I don't, I don't think uh, Horford is necessarily who they're looking for, but uh, Drew Holiday would be like a fan. I mean, we've said it for years now, um, pretty much every day since he left, that he'd yeah. be a great fit here, especially with uh, the current construction and uh, of this roster and, and how he'd fit. But um, I, I'm like not sure about how much I trust some of the news about 
these like the James Harden stuff I just find so completely ridiculous. Like I'm obviously people are interested in him yes. who would not be interested in James Harden, but like the actual reality of trading for him is just so obscene that I, I find it just hard to believe. I think it's a little bit the same with the Pelicans where Yes, I, I'm sure they'd love to add talent and find, you know, like a, th- a third guy or a second guy, right, to fit in with that roster, depending on what they believe they have in, um, you know, in the stars that they're trying to build there already. But I just, I, I can't imagine them necessarily taking on Horford, right? Like that, that seems like such a backwards idea uh, for where they're trending. They're building through youth. They're building through, we're going to develop and, and mold here and, and Ty Lue is is coming along to, to help mold that. Um, I just, I would be very taken aback if, if that's the direction they go, but I certainly wouldn't mind, but. And then the, the Victor Oladipo situation is also interesting because that's a guy that is in your, your conference. Obviously Indiana is a team that the Sixers have gone head to head with for playoff positioning. And I don't know if the Pacers would be open to dealing Oladipo in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and I, I think even beyond that, I'm not it's not that I don't think Oladipo's a good player, but I'm not like I'm not hot on the idea of him on this team. Um I think it's a it's a very similar to bias situation where it's a guy on like a, a lesser team that has and again, this isn't a knock on his talent because I think he's a very talented player, just like I think Tobias is, but not at the standard that, that necessarily you want. Um, and he does have, I think this is the last year of his contract, so you know, you'd know you have to be making another big money decision about re-signing him or, or letting him walk. Even if you let him walk, this team, depending on what other moves you make, isn't any better for mm-hmm. it. it. You're in the same position where you were with Tobias last summer where you, you, they have all the leverage because if you let – a good player like that walk, you're, you're obviously going to be struggling and you're going to, you're not going to be able to replace them with, with the cap situation of what it is. So um, it's a, it's an interesting window for the Sixers. I, I would be, my, my personal opinion is I'd be very surprised to see them make a big move like that. I think it's going to be underwhelming actually. I think we're going to see like a lot of just like margins moves. Um, again, I wouldn't be shocked to see Horford or Tobias move, but at the same time, like, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, like the starting roster is kind of what it is for this season, um, at least for the first few months. Um, I think the the biggest change we might see is maybe on draft night, you know, we're a little more active or maybe, you know, we we trade some like smaller contracts. Maybe someone like Mike Scott isn't on this team anymore. Like, I, I just think I think it, we really have the capacity for things to be underwhelming and, and things are very uncertain right now, too. So, you know, if you're asking teams to take on big money. Um, there's not a lot of teams that I think are willing to commit with that on their own right, let alone in a trade situation. I think we can't forget that um, all sports teams right now are losing millions of dollars um, and for the foreseeable future are going to have fans in stadiums, which is a big loss for them. Um, there's obviously like revenue, uh, like TV deals and stuff that are that are being brought up in like NBA's discussions about coming back sooner. So there's a lot in the balance and up in the air right now that I think is going to, I think impede all like like we're very used to the NBA having like crazy off season and crazy free agency, but I think some of that is we already knew that this free agency class wasn't the greatest or the biggest. Um, I think especially you know with just the way things are trending, this one is going to be uh, I think a little more calm. And again, we're so used to these big big moves being made. I just I don't know that I see that on the horizon. Yeah, and I mean everybody's also talking about uh, you know trying to bring Robert Covington back and. 
it's one of those things where it's like you can dream up all these dream scenarios, but 95% sure none of them are going to happen. Yeah. It's it's hard to imagine any of those situations playing out too, you know, because uh, these things don't exist just in a vacuum, right? Where it's like, oh, well, we want this guy and this guy, so let's go get them. It's like, well, what <laughs> what reason would the Rockets have for trading James Harden, for trading J- uh, Robert Covington? Like, very little, you know? Like, they, they're still trying to contend too. Um, I, I think, it, it, again, I, I would be surprised to see, like, huge, huge moves being made. I think the biggest move I can imagine is one of Horford and Tobias being gone. Um, and even that I think is, is a bit of a stretch just because I don't know who's wanting to take on contracts like that, who, and then it gets even shorter when who can, right. Mm -hmm. And then if you are just trading with another team for another big contract, it has to be a value for someone in that trade, right? Like someone has to be winning in that scenario. You want it to be the Sixers. What does that contract look like? What is that player? Who knows? Um, you know, one of Horford or Tobias could, yeah, I think the Mavericks are an interesting uh, destination well. because they've been pretty vocal about wanting a third piece to go with Porzingis and Luca, And I think that'd be really interesting. And they have, they have an interesting cap situation in that they have like big money tied up in like three or four players. A few of those that they acquired to uh, get uh, Porzingis. And, um, you know, so I think if you're maybe willing to eat a bad contract for a year or two instead of eating a bad contract like Horford advice for another three, four years. That option is there potentially. But again, you know, you're asking for another team to have to buy into your asset. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I mean, there's options out there. I think it's just a little more slim. And I think the odds are a little lower than I think people want them to be. I think people want Daryl Moore to be making big slashes. And I don't think that's going to happen. I think Again, think back to what Sam Hinkie was all about, which was a lot of these margin moves, a lot of these just like just very slick trades to get you extra second round picks, right? Extra, you know, just uh, darts to throw at the board, you know, just these real margin moves. He's not like, obviously, he's he's made huge trades. He's made probably one of the biggest trades in NBA history in trading for James Harden. Like that is, whether you believe it or not, that is one of the biggest yes. and, and biggest turning points in NBA history into the ripple effect that that causes for like five different teams. So he's not afraid to pull the trigger on a move like that, but I think his overall skill and and guys like Daryl Morey is that they're smarter than a lot of people and they can identify identify value better than a lot of people can. And that often comes with guys like a Robert Covington, right, who was undrafted and came to the Sixers and has now built himself into a really crucial player that playoff teams crave and want on their roster. So... Those are, those are the types of moves that I'd be looking at more from Daryl than any kind of huge blockbuster deal. Yeah, and speaking of Sam Hinkie, uh, he came out from Silicon Valley uh, depths and went on an ESPN podcast with Pablo Torre to kind of discuss uh, you know, Daryl being hired and spoke with Pablo for well over an hour and a half. I think it was like an hour and 40-minute discussion um, a lot of interesting things from Sam as well. Very happy, obviously, for Daryl. Um, he was pumped that he is now going to be working for the Sixers, and um, there was a lot of interesting little nuggets thrown in there from Sam. Um, but it was kind of perfect timing, obviously, that Daryl gets hired, and it's like, oh, Sam's gonna make an appearance. Yeah, I, it's a. Uh... It's definitely a, a big pipe dream to expect him to come back. I think mm-hmm. of all the the crazy rumors and ideas, Sam Hickey being back with his organization is uh, 
it's definitely up there. Um, just the way he left is obviously, I, I don't think very good terms and, um, you know, I, I wouldn't expect him to be back, but it's good to hear from him again. It's just such a bummer because, you know, like we've said it so much, what, how different things could have been if he'd stayed. But I think at the end he was, uh, he's very aggressive at what he was trying to yes. do and was willing to stop at nothing to get there. And I think perhaps pushed the envelope too far, um, for, for some people's liking. Those people will go unnamed, I think, to protect them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just, uh, I don't ever see a path back. But obviously, you know, those two have a, a good relationship. And like like we've said, they're cut from the same type of cloth in terms of how they, uh, you know, view basketball, right? How they view assets, how they, how they assess value. So again, if you were someone that has wanted Sam Hinkie back or liked when Sam Hinkie was here, you liked the process, um, this is this is a similar type of thinking that's going to get us hopefully really good results. Um, you know the process unequivocally worked for this team, right? Like it got you Embiid and Simmons. Those are team. Those are players that you, you don't just get, right? Like you have to you have to get very lucky to get them. You have to be a very bad team to get them, really. Um, but that was all part of the idea was that you were going to try and land stars, and we did that. We were building assets. Obviously, some of those depleted now, but you know you can expect that. Maury's going to have a good opportunity. I mean, again, we, we said it last time out that we don't really like the ownership group here, but right. one thing you can't, you absolutely can't spite them for. And it's one of the very few things is that they're not, they're not unwilling to spend money. I mean, they're, they're, they're signing up for a huge luxury tax bill this year. Um, and they've been willing to spend you like the, the contract money. They've been willing to spend on guys. They're willing to spend on coaching staff. Like, that's that's a crucial part of being a winning organization. It's the reason that Daryl Morey left his previous post at the Rockets, right? Is that their owner didn't want to spend that money, and that you know that but that was kind of a breaking point for their relationship. Where he comes here now, and that clearly to this point hasn't been an issue. We'll see for how long we're paying you know forty million dollars extra a year, because um, I don't know if the Comcast money covers all that. <laughs> you know, so I I just think uh, that could get interesting at least. But you know. The one thing you can say about this ownership group is that they're certainly willing to spend the money. And um, that can't be said of like a lot of the other teams yeah. in Philadelphia right now, to be very frank. So at least we have that. And we'll get into one of those teams later on. But uh, I think one of the interesting nuggets about Sam Hinkie's, uh, you know, podcast appearance with Pablo Torre was uh, Pablo asked him what percentage he would put on returning to the NBA as a whole. And, Pop, or uh, Sam said zero percent, which, you know, for a guy that dabbles and and lives within the margins and numbers, for him to say zero percent, you know, you kind of have to take that for what it's worth. And I think Sam, you know, got his fulfillment from the NBA, did what uh, he set out to do, and you know, it's kind of been trending in that direction. You know, the Sacramento Kings had been rumored to be, you know, wanting Sam Hinky to be their GM for the past couple of seasons, never came to fruition. Um, you know, there's been talks that the Charlotte Hornets could have potentially been going after Sam Hinkie as well. Um, but, I mean, I feel like if a team wanted Sam Hinkie and Sam wanted to be back in the NBA, it would have already happened by now. Yeah, and I, I think, look, you know, you, you can go pretty deep down the rabbit hole in conspiracy about why Sam won't be back in the league. But I think... Probably the simplest answer is that he probably enjoyed the time that he had here, but it is 
we can't understate how stressful it is to be in a position like that. I, I don't think we'll ever truly understand what it's like to have, you know, the weight of an organization on your shoulders and having to make so many decisions, you know, so much power and so much control that I think that weighs on you a little bit. Um, we've seen guys just decide to take backseat roles and, you know, or leave, you know, the league completely. Um, it seems like, you know, he's working uh, like in the academic field as like a professor, which I'm sure is fulfilling. Yeah, like Stanford, I believe. Yeah, there, there's tons of reasons why you wouldn't necessarily want to return to like a certain field of work. Um, and I think stress and, you know, that there isn't as high stakes maybe somewhere else. Or it, he's just happier uh, not being in the league anymore. So, you know, obviously there's going to be the conspiracy angle and that could certainly be it. You know, we'll, we'll never really know, you know, all the aspects of it, but um you know, wherever he is, I think he's he's going to be great at what he does mm-hmm. because uh, his time here, I think everyone has um, a lot of warmth for him. And when it comes to the Sixers as well, obviously Daryl gets introduced, but Elton Brand also gets a multi-year extension. <laughs> what were your initial thoughts seeing that? Elton has gone through, you know, one of the weirdest timelines over the past quite the metamorphosis for him <laughs> like that's for sure elton is on the cover of an anamorphs book right now yeah. in terms of the nba um i was from a cadillac to a rat <laughs> <laughs> i was stunned to see that he got the extension i was i was very confused by this um because there had been questions about what this because i mean this is eerily similar to when uh, Brian Colangelo got, or I'm sorry, Jerry Colangelo at that point was the, they created a position for him above Hinky and it kind of introduced the squeezing out of Sam from that point forward. Mm-hmm. Um, this is very similar, right? Like I, I just, I think it's, it's crazy that they extended him. And um, I just said that we should praise this ownership group for the one thing that they do, right? Which is spend money. Well, like, why are you spend why are you committing more money to right. this person? I don't really understand it. Um, it's, it's a strange move. I don't get it. I don't know that they're setting up. I'm assuming, in their mind at least, Daryl Morey is going to be some type of mentor for Elton Brand, even mm-hmm. though they're of, like, similar age. So it's not like, you know, this is, like, Jerry West here sitting down and, like, you're telling, like, the story of the universe to Elton Brand here and, and really imparting tons of wisdom. And I'm not sure that Daryl Morey's wisdom is necessarily the type of wisdom that can be imparted. It feels like something that you just have to be good at or you have to be smart or trained at. It's not, I don't know, they can teach him the ropes of like evaluating talent and evaluating value. Like, I just think that's really hard to just teach another person if you're gifted at it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a strange decision. I don't understand it. I don't like it. Um, but, you know, like everyone else in this organization also has long term deals signed up. So. Mm-hmm. I guess that's it's not like you know they extended Elton and you know uh, Daryl's only here on a three-year deal, right? And uh, Doc Rivers only here on like a two or three-year deal. Like everyone's locked in for the foreseeable future, and we'll see how it goes. But it's it's not a move that feels fills you with tons of confidence because he still feels like the the shakiest post on this bridge. And I uh, you know there's still question marks about how involved is ownership, right? And what does our front office still look like? Because even right, even Maury's role like isn't super hollowed out. He's the president of basketball operations. That can mean a million different mm-hmm. things, um, and that can mean a million different levels of involvement for him. Again, just considering who he is, the job he just left, the options he would have had, 
you'd have to imagine that he has he's gonna have plenty of decision making power here. Um, but it's just it's strange to extend Elton Brand when there's really no need to. I don't know that anyone is fighting to get him either. Like it, this team just loves recklessly spending money. I guess I I think that's it. And then uh, I I couldn't help but laugh at the the photo that was posted on the Sixers Instagram of Elton Daryl Morey. Doc Rivers, and then Joshua Harris. It, it just the first thing that came to my mind, and we tweeted this out as well. Uh, was Sesame Street's uh, one of these things is not like the other. Not only is because Joshua Harris was standing in that photo, but it, it literally went, you know, Elton Brand, Daryl Morey, Joshua Harris, height wise, back up to Doc Rivers. It was just one of the funniest pictures I've ever seen. It's it's so str- like the Josh Harris like inclusion on everything is just strange to me. <laughs> I don't really understand. Like the only other like the only other like th- situation I can think of is like with Mark Cuban. Like is you frequently involved yeah. or like at least is like around. But again, like he's like the type of owner that is certainly like involved in decisions, but knows when to let like the smarter people in the room just take over. And like, that's why he's obviously been so successful in, in business, right? <laughs> is knowing when to shut up and let the experts do what they're good at. Um, but Josh Harris like constantly seems like involved in these, which like you could take it in like two very different ways. You could obviously take mm-hmm. that positively in that there is a argument to be made that having an involved owner is good. Because it's better than having an indifferent one that doesn't care about your organization or doesn't care about your team and making them successful. But you can also say it's bad because this is like the Jerry Jones thing, right? Where it's like right. he's involved, but he's too involved. And he doesn't know what the hell he's Jerry doing. Jerry wears every single hat. And- yeah. And you like, there's a point where you just have to find that balance between caring about the team's results but also not letting yourself make the decisions because ultimately – Jerry Jones made his money. Well, he made his money by being born rich. Right. Uh, Josh Harris made his through probably illicit <laughs> means, um, of course. But you know, like that's your area of expertise. I, you know, Doc Rivers is not going to tell you how to manage like an equity firm, but you're not going to tell Doc Rivers how to run a basketball team. Like, right. it's just that that has to be the the balance there. Which I'm not. I don't think anyone can be totally convinced that it that is present right now in the Sixers organization. Yeah. Um. But overall, I, I think I'm pretty pumped that Daryl's here, obviously. I think everybody is. I think this was a move that had to be made for the Sixers. Um, it's, you know, st- sticking with the theme of the last 24 hours, there's a real swing, you know? Like, it was a real, <laughs> was a real positive movement in the polls when Daryl Morey came into town. I tell you that much. Uh, and then the last you thing... You went to bed <laughs> real unhappy. Oh, you yeah. woke up in a much better mood. <laughs> um, you brought up the Mavericks, who came up kind of out of the blue too um talking about how they had interest in Tobias yeah I found it interesting intriguing uh because it seems like any trade scenario that's been brought up involving the Sixers has 99 out of 100 times been about getting Al Horford out and this time it's it's Tobias being mentioned yeah and I you know I think there's been lots of talk too about like which is the worst contract who would you rather have for the future? I've I've frequently chosen like Tobias in those discussions simply because I think he's like still a player that you can actually like Al Horford to me is we don't even know what he looks like this season because he's an older player. We know that he's probably not going to age gracefully. It's not like he's 
a fantastic player as it currently exists. Um, but, you know, the contract's a little shorter, obviously, and maybe you could sell someone on his, like, skill set being, like, more valuable, like what we were sold on, right? Right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, the interest in Tobias is strange. I would, just on a personal level, I'd feel bad for Tobias because I love the guy, yeah. and it sucked for him to have to go, like, make another new home when he was just, like, he was with Detroit for a while, right? Um, Reunites with a, the coach who, like, where he had his best statistical yeah, like, season. You know, like, he's he's just had so many different stops in the league already for being, like, a relatively young player. Um, it would suck just to see him, like, ship that again. But it'd at least be in a good situation in Dallas. But um, People forget Tobias is, like, 28. Yeah, he's still, like, a, a young guy. It's not like he's um, he's not Al Horford old. So that that's another reason I think that maybe – you know, you're at least paying for his prime, whereas Horford, you're not. But I, I just think, um, I, I just would be surprised just because I, I think big moves like that are just, I know we've seen them so much more uh, commonly in the past few years in the NBA. I just think this offseason with pretty much every major sport is going to be a lot drier than people expect just because there's so much uncertainty about the future. Like We have no clue. Right now, we have no clue where our president is, um, and we probably won't know for, like, weeks. Uh, we have no clue about the situation with COVID and, like, what what is the plan? When are, when are fans going to be back in stadiums and in arenas? Um, when are players going to be able to, like, safely, like, travel again? Like, there's so much in the balance still that I think, like, big moves like that – not that they can't happen, but mm-hmm. they're just that much more unlikely to happen because there's so many more variables going on right now that, that need to be accounted for to make a decision like that. That I just I don't know. I think it's it's a hard sell for me. How quickly do you think if Al Horford were to end up with the Mavericks that uh Mark Cuban would be fed up with Anna Horford? Um <laughs> He's pretty good at playing things close to the vest, so like it it we wouldn't ever know, but pretty quickly. I, I would just wait for the, the shark to, all right, I'm out. I'm yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I, I feel like they would absolutely despise each other. He's a he's a very mobile Tyson Chandler. <clears throat> Talk about that. Maybe, that. maybe that'll get him to bite. I don't know. He He's Dominican Dirk. He wishes. <laughs> he wishes. Absolutely. Um, I wish. <laughs> could you imagine? Um, you know, the the prospect of all of these trades and everything with the Sixers is just going to continue to run rampant as long as the off season's here. So buckle up with those. But a team that uh, seems like they are nowhere close to uh, making any sort of trades or extensions or bringing in the best players possible to make sure that they win is um, good old John Middleton and the Philadelphia Phillies. What a tragic disappointment John Middleton is and this entire team. Um, every week that goes by now, you're like you're just starting to think that the issues are more deep rooted than we'd like them to be with this yep. team, and that uh, the spending stupid money and I'll do whatever it takes to get this trophy back rhetoric is uh, just a lie. <laughs> because one thousand percent, if you really wanted that, he could have made it happen. Uh, probably four or five times now but yeah this team is rudderless and it's kind of similar to the Sixers situation in that you know like we have no clear direction or future and everything seems really uncertain and not great either uh like this team like has good pieces but 
isn't a fully complete picture. Doesn't have a great farm system. Like there's just not tons to be invigorated about. And it's not even like the organization is good and you have tons of faith in them, which is like huge, huge red flag for us. Um, and now you have this inactivity with the GM search, right? It was still absolutely nothing on that. Like n no clue who, who's, who's filling in here. Um, Andy McPhail, like mixed signals about him stepping aside, but now he doesn't expect to be um, brought back next year. I, this is his last year of his contract. So what does that mean? Obviously like, the clear sign is that we're the, the hot read, I guess, is that, you know, we're going all in for Theo right next year, which is like, I'm not against, but you're also like wasting another year, another of, year, which is like, you're now into year three, you know, with, with Bryce, it doesn't feel that way. Cause you didn't just have a full complete season, right. but I mean, this is, this is going to be his third year, this contract and you haven't made the playoffs. It's another year with Nola where you have him on a really good contract. And, you know, again, he's been, performing really well another year with zach wheeler and that's it Reese. because it, right like but those are like your three guys yeah. right because jt future still uncertain dd future still uncertain with this team reese you know I, i'm expecting to to be back to where he was but still like as a player has been inconsistent you mm -hmm. know for, for pretty much his entire philly career but the highs have been really good and feel consistent enough to that that's the player that he is but outside of that, this roster isn't great. It's not like, wow, amazing. Like, I have faith in it, but, like, there are still moves to be made, especially when you're talking about the bullpen is the clear number one priority. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, like, every week that goes by, it's harder to have a lot of faith in this Phillies team and, and what their their goal is even. Because I don't know, like, it's been so, so confusing with the signing of Bryce that okay that that's a win move that's a move that you make when you want to win when you want to do stuff um but it's starting to feel like that was just a decision just to sell jerseys yep to, to hopefully get people back in the stadium which is not going to work because no well we can't go back <laughs> um but also like it doesn't matter if the team has like one or two like does he not remember the bobby abreu years like that like that's the exact same thing it was like you had like a, a few good players but the rest of the team was average to bad and people don't want to show up because why would you? Because the team isn't good. If you're winning 80 games a season, no one's going to want to, you know, pay 50 bucks to see that. Yeah. And it's, it's so irresponsible, everything that's gone on with JT Real Muto. And they bring up, uh, you know, all the, the situations where, oh, you know, we were against the trade unless we could extend him. Um, and now MLB Trade Rumors does a, a fantastic job with their top 50 free agents they put out uh pieces where they kind of predict where they see guys going and man I'll, I'll tell you this right now if this is the type of contract jt gets from another team and the phillies are not all over this to up the ante i will be my fists will go through walls because mlb trade rumors has their first prediction <clears throat> excuse me uh, JT Real Muto, five years, $125 million going to the Mets. Well, you better find a, a wall that you feel confident you oh. can go through. Cause <laughs> so this is – I have a very similar take for, like, especially baseball that I did for um, NBA, right? Like, baseball, the theme of the last few free agency periods have been, like, every free agency period, 
a brand new like record breaking contract pretty much for the last like ten years <laughs> essentially. Like every every off season, there's another guy getting paid obscene money. I would be there's really no one on the market commanding that type of fee this year, which obviously helps for my argument here, but that's not gonna happen. And I actually think you're gonna see shrinkage that people were not expecting at all. Um five for one twenty five in this like current climate is like five for one eighty. Like it's like when he like again, like <laughs> They did not have any fan revenue last year. They did like they already know that TV revenue for the future is not great. They know that baseball is like not in the strongest position, right? With like younger audiences, they know that it's not trending in like the best direction. Teams are afraid to spend, and not not even I'm not even speaking specifically about the Phillies. Like teams in general don't spend. That's been like the biggest complaint about baseball in the last few years too. Is that you know. And whether you call it collusion or whatever it is, but teams not waiting and waiting and starving guys out and paying them below their value. Like, it's going to happen again this offseason, so it's going to be much worse because teams really have no idea what their season's going to look like. They had less games than usual last year, right? And there's going to be a huge question mark about another, like, can they do it in a bridge season like that again? Can they fit in 162 games? How does that work? Like everything is still so much in the balance here that I think you're going to see really, really low free agency period here. And I think five for 125 is certainly like fair value for someone like JT. Like, I think that's a reasonable landing point. I would be surprised. I would gen- I would be surprised if he gets that. I really would, because I, I just, I think people, again, people are going to be really surprised at the numbers that people go to like, and, and Again, I think we've been like led astray a little bit by like the big deals that we're forgetting that uh, baseball also has this literally opposite side of the coin where they collude together to not pay guys. And I think you'll see something like that this offseason where guys aren't going to be getting those big paychecks that they're they're looking for. Like I think a lot of guys might even just take that qualifying offer just to just to get something that and you hope that next year is better for them. Speaking of that qualifying offer, JT did receive it. I highly doubt he accepts it, but did it kind of rub you the wrong way that the Phillies also did not extend the qualifying offer to Didi Gregorius? It did, but again, it's same situation with JT where it's like, I think Didi takes that offer immediately. Um, their thought process is most likely that you could lock Didi down for two, three years at, you know, probably like, the qualifying offers what like eighteen million this 18. year. Eighteen point nine. You could get DD at like what like twelve million a year probably. You know if you lock him down for two or three. Paid him fourteen this year. Right, like that's probably a better position for the. And which like again, if you talk about like your organization being smart, that is tech, like the smarter way of going about it. But like, it doesn't feel great optically either when you're not like sending out a qualifying offer to one of your best players from this season, right? And a guy that is extremely likable to, to boot, which is obviously going to help his his case with the fans and I'm sure with everyone in the clubhouse. But, um, and, you know, I, I think we've said this for JT all along is that he, they're, they're probably going to let him get an offer and either match it or say, well, see ya. Um, I just, I, th- I think the, the issue with JT is like, it's it's so it's so similar to the Sixers situation with with say like someone like Tobias right where it's like the issue in the first place was giving up what you gave up to get him. The second issue was not resigning him immediately. Like the plan with JT should have been that off season, 
re-signing him and and locking him down, you know, at five or four or five years, that you know, pretty much immediately, or at least again that offseason, get him in the door and figure it out. Um, and this is the issue where you don't, where you have like conflicting ideas clearly within the front office. Where now Matt Klintak isn't even making the calls anymore. Now it's going to be someone you know different again. We don't even have a GM currently, so who even knows is making these decisions? Probably John Middleton. Um, so that's the issue is that you have this inconsistency in logic and thought and how you're valuing players and assets. So you've given up what you have for JT and now you're not going to re-sign him. That's just bad. That's bad management. You know, there's, there's yeah. no other, there's no other way to, to sell that other than bad management. Um, and it's been bad management for the very start. The mistakes have already been made. I listen, I have beat the drum a million times for JT and wanting him back. But if he's getting if he's getting signed for like five for one sixty, like see ya. Like I like I do not want to spend that money on JT Ramuto, and I've been one of his biggest supporters since day one. That's just it's, that's crazy money to spend on a catcher. It just is, and I I don't care that he is the best catcher but catcher in baseball because he is. But that is just obscene when this team has so many other glaring holes, and and I mean glaring to like. How many times have we ripped our hair out at the bullpen? Even the starting pitching needs addressed. Like, you cannot, you know, in good faith, sign JT for that type of money and then go like make one signing to to address like the pitching issue and how and then just call it a day because that's that's what would happen. You have to operate on the assumption that John Milton isn't just writing blank checks everywhere. There's a limit to what we're spending. If I'm, you know figuring out where that where that pie is is headed mm-hmm. and jt is getting you know again like a, a five for 150 even like i just don't i i don't know how you say yes to that. like that's just a lot of money to tie down to jt Rumuto. it just is and he's not he's not a spring chicken you know the last two years of that deal are probably not going to be fantastic value um most long-term contracts even the five years isn't crazy but you know most contracts the last year or so in pretty much every sport <laughs> It's not a good year. Um, this Phillies team doesn't feel like a piece away either. Like, it feels like, God, it feels like every year we're like, well, we're like a year or two away. Like, it's just. It's, we're a year or two away from being a year or two away. Yeah. And it's just, I, I just, I don't know. I, I just, I think so many mistakes have been made with JT already that I don't know that there's a, a, a really clear solution sitting in front of us today. And I think if you're going to look at one team that is going to spend this offseason because they have the new owner, it's going to be the Mets. Like Steve Cohen is out on Twitter asking Mets fans what he what they want him to do in the offseason and obviously that's that's just pandering, obviously, but I truly think that, you know, in a situation right now where the Mets now have the most valuable owner in baseball, who is not a quote unquote baseball guy and he wants to win, he he's a guy that grew up a Mets fan too, and I think that you know, take it for what it's worth. I think that plays a part in it. He wants to see this team succeed. And I think that's something the Phillies are lacking too, is John Middleton might be quote unquote front. He he just has no interest in seeing this team win from the way that he's kind of carried things and, you know, spoken about things. The way Andy McPhail delivered in his press conference, one, he doesn't even want the job position he's in right now. Two, it seems like the Phillies front office, they they just have they have no clue who is in charge of anything right now. They kind of want to just like 
drift off any responsibilities to whoever comes walking their way. And that's a problem. And like you said, when we started talking about the Phils tonight, this this team has so much more ingrained internal issues than a lot of people want to believe. And it's it's frightening because they went out and got Bryce Harper. They have young talent like Aaron Nola, Alec Bohm, who we'll also talk about because he's up for Rookie of the Year. Shout out to our boy. Um, but I mean, the fact that the front office is operating the way that they are and has been, it seems, is just absolutely terrifying if you're a Phillies fan. Yeah, I mean, this is the ultimate, just putting makeup on a pig. You know, like, it just, it is. You know, like, it's just constantly dressing up the terrible. And um, I will say, regarding the Mets, and I will say this about the Mets till the day I die, probably, is I will believe it when I see it. Because that's fair. Every offseason, I've heard this from the Mets about how this is their year. They literally have one good year every 15. Obviously, with a new owner, anything can happen. But I've also seen the exact same graphic of the top like 10 richest owners. Every team on that list sucks. <laughs> yeah. Having having a rich owner does not equal sign uh, like you're going to be a great team. Like the Angels are on that list. Yeah. <laughs> the team has sucked my entire life, and they have the greatest baseball player I've ever seen in my life. And it's also team. concerning too, from that aspect, where the Angels have sucked. Yeah, they have you know a rich owner. They they've had the Disney money coming in when they were the California Angels and all that kind of stuff. But they're also a team that has been in this this odd situation where they have talent but also suck. But they're also doing right now replacing. Their GM, same thing, same boat the Phillies are in, but they're doing extensive searches. You know, they have gone above and beyond and have interviewed a multitude of candidates where it seems like the Phillies have just had their feet kicked up since the season ended and have done zero work on trying to find a new GM. It really does feel like we're just, um, we're biding time till till next offseason going after Theo. Like, that genuinely feels like the, the play here, which is stupid because... I, Again, this has just been mismanaged from the very start, <laughs> and that's that's the the huge issue here. Going all the way back to the the rebuild, even waiting on the rebuild, like just waiting to pull the trigger on on starting to to rethink what's next for the Phillies back in you know 2011, 2012. That's where the mistake started, and um, I think just the belief that the good times are going to stick around forever, like no, like teams typically are good for three to five years, and then you know, have an off beard and that mm -hmm. off beard can depend and vary a lot depending on, you know, obviously some luck, but also how smart your organization is. Smart organizations, again, when we've, <laughs> we've yelled about this before, <laughs> have been good when the Phillies were last good, bad again, good again, bad again, good again. Like there have been teams that have gone through like four different evolutions while we're still stuck, you know, spinning our, our tires in the mud here. And that's, I think the frustrating part, especially when we've claimed to have the fourth fastest rebuild or, you know, one of the fastest rebuilds in MLB history well, in four it, years. The, and the way things are going, apparently you can just claim whatever you want now, <laughs> and uh, that's the truth. There is nothing to show for it, and that's the other frustrating part is you went through this tumultuous period of rebuilding, kind of quote-unquote tanking in a sense, trying to figure out what young players that were in your organization already were going to work, and then you have nothing to show for it because one, you didn't draft well Two, It's just been a complete disaster in terms of going out and getting talent to add to this team. 
you you haven't worked the margins well, which is something that they said that they were going to do. Um, it, it's Scott just, Kinger is a great margin signing, Kyle. <laughs> like he's amazing. He's going to be the guy that puts us over the edge. I'm st- I'm still not out on Scott Kinger. Me either. But it's like that's what you have to show yes. for, right? Like that's the it's, margin. It's Scott signing Kinger and Aaron gonna, Nola are the gonna, two margin signings. That's going to put us over the edge. And it's like, well, they haven't. So. And <laughs> and the other thing is, you know, you. With with the Phillies, it's we said it, it seems like they might be going after Theo. They haven't really done. There hasn't been any real talks outside of the JJ Piccolo situation a couple weeks ago. But you would think if Ned Rice was going to be the GM for this year, the Phillies would be putting him out in front of you know the public to get quotes from to speak to to kind of put his his face out there and they haven't even done that. Like they can't even do that. Right. Yeah. It's, it's all been, um, not particularly inspiring for the Phillies. It's, it's a mess. Um, MLB trade rumors though. They had the Phillies signing three players, uh, on their top 50 free agents. Um, some interesting names. I, it, it really doesn't move the needle for me at all. If anything, it kind of pushes us back. They also had DD Gregorius, as their number eight free agent, uh, going back to where it all started for him, um, signing a a three-year, $39 million contract with the Cincinnati Reds. So, I mean, that that's kind of where people are valuing Didi Gregorius right now as well. Um, but right now they have the Phillies not even signing anybody in the top five, if I'm not mistaken. Nobody in the top ten. And the first Phillies name comes up at number 12, uh, bullpen pitcher Liam Hendricks. They have him signing a three-year, $30 million contract with the Phillies. Um, he led all Major League Baseball relievers in war uh, over the past, one of, since 2019. Uh, so for the past two seasons, um, he's been with the Athletics. You know, fantastic bullpen pitcher. He's 32. So I don't know if the Phillies would even dish that out because we've seen them kind of hesitate to dish money out to you know any type of pitcher over the past couple of seasons since they got burned by uh, you know Charlie Morton getting injured, since they got burned by Jake Arrieta not being what they expected him to be, and now everything with you know David Robertson. I I, I would not bank on the Phillies going after a top of the line free agent bullpen pitcher. Yeah, because a lot of these guys, too, are usually 30 and above. Like, you're not really getting, unless they're homegrown, you're not getting right. like young arms. That's like, that's a rarity. You know, it's, it's why someone like Garrett Cole, right, was like, those guys don't go in the market very often. Even someone like Zach Wheeler is like, mm-hmm. you know, a, a little bit rare to see someone like that hit the market at his age. Um, Patrick Corbin, right, with the Nationals. Like, there's a reason those guys get paid what they did because not only they're great at what they do, but. You're not Trevor gonna get, Bauer this year. You're not going to need the opportunity to sign someone like that. Um, Trevor Bauer, too, is like, you're not going to spend one year on him because this team isn't contending, so why would you do that? But I say that, and we'll probably, we'll probably Trevor Bauer, Trevor and that's Bauer. it. And he'll probably <laughs> need Tommy John surgery like March 29th. Yep, right before the season starts. Um, then they go down to the 16th best free agent on their list, uh, and it's JT's quote-unquote replacement uh, if they have him signing with the Mets. And that is James McCann, which I, I saw a lot of people, a uh, friend of the show, Alex Carr from 
uh, SB Nation's Phillies blog, The Good Fight. I saw Jack Fritz also tweet about how they'd rather have Mike Zanino over James McCann, um, which I can see. Zanino a little bit better defensively, um, more of a, you know, you kind of know what he is at the plate. He's either going to strike out. He's, he's one of the three true outcomes at the plate where James McCann kind of has just had, um, you know, a, a revelation at the plate this year. So, I mean, either of those, I think, would be the two guys you look at if uh, JT doesn't end up back with the Phillies. It's it's going to be probably a James McCann or Mike Zanino situation, which it, it totally deflates any, you know, excitement I have Absolutely about the Phillies. James McCann. <laughs> it's bad. Um, and they haven't... Do not want to have to root for James McCann. <laughs> well, not Brian McCann. I think that's who you might be thinking oh, of. I heard what I'm thinking of. Um, different guy but James McCann he he's he's a nice player made the all-star team for the White Sox in 2019 um but to give a guy like that two years 20 million it's I don't know it, it's not a move have, that does when you have Andrew Knapp anything. just waiting in the, the wings hey I mean <laughs> nappy boy um I just it, it's one of those things that it, it pushes me in the other direction of excitement uh when it comes to James McCann or Mike Zanino being the catcher for this team. Yeah. It's especially when you're going from JT to that, yes. right? Like that's particularly, who do they have signing JT? Is it uh, the, Mets? the Mets. Yeah. And oh. then you'll have to see JT, you know, 17 to 19 Something times about a year. the, the NL East and just the constant, like swapping of, of like players. Um, again, with the Mets stuff, I will believe it when I see it. Call me St. Thomas because I'm gonna need to see the proof before I, I start believing here. Um, we've been I've been duped and sold many bridges <laughs> before. Like it's just I I'm gonna need to see it before I, I really start believing. Obviously, like there's positive signs. I think there's a reason for optimism. I don't think it's they're putting like blind trust here, but um, also like how many times have we seen owners like just say stuff like that? Right. Not, I mean. Literally listen anytime John Middleton speaks, um, or like their interest can wane over the years, and you know they stop caring as much. But um, yeah, it's uh, we'll see. Having a rich owner does not mean all of a sudden you're in. <laughs> uh, and then they also have the Phillies sending their 24th best free agent on this list, uh, giving Garrett Richards a two-year, 16 million dollar contract. Um, he's among free agents with at least 50 innings in 2020. No one threw harder than Garrett Richards. Uh, 95.2 mile per hour average fastball velocity. Uh, in 10 starts with the Padres this year, he had a 4.27 ERA, eight strikeouts per nine, a little over three walks per nine, and 1.17 home runs per nine in 46 and one third uh, innings. Though he'll turn 33 in May, um, they're saying Garrett Richards may offer enough upside to land a two-year deal. He was drafted 42nd overall by the Angels back in 2009 um, with a supplemental pick for the loss of uh, former Philly, Francisco Rodriguez. Uh, he's coming off of uh, UCL surgery in July of 2018. So, I mean, there has been, um, you know, a, a, a Tommy John surgery already for Garrett Richards. He's going to be 33. Again, it's a deal that it could be very similar to when the Phillies went out and signed Charlie Morton a couple years ago, where it's a guy that is a little bit older, 
but has found a, a bit of a, a rebirth later in their career following, you know, some down years with the Angels. I kind of like the Garrett Richards idea. If, if they do go out and sign a pitcher, this is the type of guy that I wouldn't mind them signing. Would I also like them to go and get Charlie Morton? Yes, um, because it's it's seeming like it's preferred that he wants to stay on the East Coast again to be closer to his family. But if they can get Garrett Richards, add him to this rotation of Nola, Zach Wheeler, Spencer Howard, who we think will be back, Zach Eflin, and then you have Garrett Richards in the fold. It's not a bad rotation. It's not bad. It's a, it's a good like stopgap. Um, I think you could do worse, and it's pretty good value. Like one year is going to be like half of what you're paying Jake Arrieta. Yeah. So I mean, already like <laughs> you're in a better situation in that regard, at least. So I mean, I'm. I, this is the move that out of the three would get me like, okay, I'm cool with this. Let's let's ride. Um, because I truly I don't see them going and signing the number one free agent reliever. Uh, especially after getting burned by David Robertson. And like we said, with Jake Arrieta and Charlie Morton, this is more of a move I see the Phillies making, especially if they're trying to quote-unquote cut payroll, um, which we'll see if that decision holds as well. But there are also guys out there um, that you could see the Phillies make moves for in the starting pitching market, including guys like Corey Kluber, somebody who you know had a, a dominant run with the Cleveland Indians. Um, was injured this year with the Texas Rangers, so could be a one-year prove-it deal. Would not mind that at all. Um, like we said, Charlie Morton is out there. MLB Trade Rumors has him getting a one-year $8 million deal from the Mets. I mean, if you can't give Charlie Morton one year for $8 million, that's also pretty concerning to me, especially how well he's pitched over the past couple of seasons uh, with the Rays and then obviously his run with the Astros. And he was here before. This is a guy that... You know, as much as we dog Matt Klentak, that was a move that seemed to have promise of paying off if Charlie Morton didn't get injured. Yeah, I mean, injuries have also been a, a pretty crucial part of the story of the Phillies the last few years, if, whether we like it or not. It's not fun or necessarily productive always to blame everything on injuries, but they've taken their toll, that's for sure. This is uh, This is a move that I would really like. They have Robbie Ray signing with the Brewers for one year, $6 million. He's 29 years old. He's left-handed. And, I mean, say what you want about not exactly needing a left-handed starting pitcher in the rotation. We haven't had a consistent left-handed starting pitcher in this rotation since Cole Hamels and Cliff Lee left. Like, to get Robbie Ray, a guy who throws strikes, has, you know, a, a pretty quality fastball, does have control issues, but I think you can kind of get past that knowing his track record and how well he pitched in Arizona. If you can get Robbie Ray for a one-year $6 million deal, I don't see how you don't do that. Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> I mean, if you're any team, yeah, you yeah. know, that that is a deal that... That's low risk. Um, extremely for, high reward. Yes, and again, you know, when you talk about what this offseason looks like, I think those are the types of moves you'll be seeing from teams a lot lower is, is it's the low risk, like one, one or two year deals at low value, like the big mega contracts. I don't know. They're, they're going to be as inflated as, as we're used to. I think you're going to see a drop in them. Yeah. And I, I mean, outside of some of the big name guys, I could honestly see a lot of these free agents across the board, just signing one year deals. 
and being like, okay, yeah, I'll play for on one year, and... and then hopefully things are back to, we're close to back to being where we expect them to be, and I'll hit the market again and see what I can get in free agency a year from now. Absolutely. Award season also uh, <laughs> came at an unexpected time uh, as baseball did the most baseball thing, uh, announcing the Gold Glove winners last night. Uh, former Phils, J.P. Crawford, and Cesar Hernandez walked away with gold gloves. Feels good. <laughs> and uh, our boy, Alec Bohm, is a finalist for National League Rookie of the Year. Should win, uh, in my very humble, non-biased opinion. Um, but yeah, it's good that he's being recognized for, for how great he was. Um, God, I love him. He's so good. I love everything about him. I haven't checked recently if you can actually get a Alec Bohm uh, jersey yet on like fanatics but hopefully soon because that's that'll be one of the few things i think i spend money on phillies really because certainly not gonna be able to go to games anytime soon <laughs> um but that that might just have to be uh me breaking some of the watershed to get uh some some phillies gears if there's a bone thing but yeah and i mean if he if he wins rookie of the year price price just went up you know that's one of those things that uh i think the last phil to win Rookie of the Year was also a prestigious third baseman Scott Rowland. Yep, no, uh... Got the custom no options, but... Yeah, but, like, you know, let's be honest. Let's I, put I him in the shop. Put him in the shop. I'm sure if, like, you could go in the Philly store now, you'd probably be able to, but you know, it always takes a little longer. Um, it's kind of funny you can get a Gregorius jersey. Yeah. But it's like <laughs> Gotta get rid of the stock. I guess so, but it's not even on, like, a super sale. Like, uh. It's, like, still 110 bucks. so... The the Alec Boehm rookie, it's warranted. And I think, like you said, it's good to see him getting recognized for how well he played this year. Um, And for all intents and purposes, I think he should win the award. Because as soon as he got, like, I was listening to uh, the Good Fight podcast, uh, Hidden Season. And Justin Clue brought up that uh, first pitch strikes for Alec Boehm batting average a little over 600 on first pitch swinging strikes he just absolutely mashes it like no other (laughs) like and and the nice thing too is you know you want to compare guys who were you know rookies between Hazley, Kingery, Alec Bohm they moved Bohm all around the lineup hitting wise and it didn't really phase him much at all the yeah. worst he hit, I believe, was in the seven hole, and he went like four for ten or something like that. Oh like, no! <laughs> it's, it was that was the worst he performed, and he still hit like that yeah. was and fielded well above I think everybody's expectations at third base, where the the thought was he's not a great fielder, he could potentially be at first base or left field um, rather than third base. I thought he played a pretty damn good third base for it being his rookie season kind of being thrown into the fire in this weird COVID season as well. Alec Bohm was the juice this team needed that unfortunately didn't get them over the top because they couldn't win a two, you know, two games in an eight game span. But as soon as he got here, it seemed like a new life was kind of injected into the team. Yeah. He was this, like we, we said at the time, he was a real vital spark to this team. Exactly what you needed. Because what we wanted last year from him too, you know, when we were calling for mm-hmm. him to, to get time, um, you know, with with the top team, but obviously it didn't come come to that point. Um, it, it's it just reminds me every day though how frustrating it was not to see his team in the playoffs because of how good they were. Um, 
you know, going through it in August, and it's just such a bummer. But yeah, for Alec Bohm, obviously deserves, uh, you know, at least being nominated as a finalist for the award, should be a, a deserving winner as well. Um, future is bright for him, which is really, really exciting. Like, you know, as negative as we, we are about the Phillies, like, he is one of the few shining stars that we have yeah. to cling to, and um, he's homegrown too, which makes it even better. Yeah, so we'll see what happens uh, with the Rookie of the Year candidacy, but make sure you are pulling for Alec Bohm because that's our boy. Um, and, I mean, it's it's going to be a nice relaxing weekend in terms of Eagles football because they're on the bye week, so we don't really have to worry about the Eagles this week, which is a nice reprieve as uh, they come off that ugly win against the Cowboys. Hey, if it's a win, it ain't that ugly, you know. <laughs> I mean, that was a big win. That was a big win. <laughs> like, you, every divisional game now is the most, like, you could lose to everyone else. It's all about taking care of the division at this point. Um, so that's what's important. Brandon Ayuk will miss Thursday's game versus Packers after being placed on the COVID-19 list. That's great. Yeah, he was uh, He was one of the close contacts with, with Kendrick Bourne. Yes. Um, Man. Still and still no clear idea of Jamal Williams and all are playing tomorrow yeah. night, but that game is looking like COVID on both sides. Oh my god. <laughs> what a mess. Good thing the Eagles don't have to worry about this week. Facts. Uh but I think that's all we got for you guys. Also, streamer season, our uh, flagship Netflix and chill streaming platform discussion podcast, new mini series, Mando Mondays. Going to be coming oh, out with the uh, great episode of The Mandalorian. That's what's been getting me through this week is uh, Mandalorian coming out on Fridays. We have a lot to look forward to this Friday, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> there's quite a bit on the, there's quite a bit on our plates coming up. Um, but make sure you guys check that out. I can't wait for this next episode because they left the door wide open for literally anything to happen. Um, but make sure you guys are, are following us on social media at UndergroundPHI on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you uh, follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. You can follow me at KBIZZL311. And make sure you guys are checking out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com. And uh, subscribe to the podcast feed. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. End of year goal, 300 five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Let's get to that goal. Uh, five stars only because we have standards. We know you do too, and we know they're five stars. You can also check us out on Spotify. Google Podcasts, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and SoundCloud for the main podcast feed. Wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. Hit that follow button here on twitch.tv slash undergroundsportsphi. And uh, should be a pretty wild week across the board. Sports, non-sports, and everything in between. But uh, you guys are the absolute best. And uh, right after we sign off here, Steven Schneider will be going live with some FIFA 21, uh, our daily variety streamer here on twitch.tv slash underground sports PHI. And uh, we'll keep you guys up to date with anything that comes across the board involving Philly sports news. Also good news, trade deadline for the NFL is coming past and our boy Will Parks was not traded. So he is sticking in his hometown, which excites me very much that. He didn't go anywhere because why would you trade a guy that is excited about being part of this team? <laughs> uh, any final thoughts, Matt? Uh, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's uh, 
let's just see how the next few weeks go. <laughs> Regardless, we should be here. Uh, show would not be possible without our amazing local sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And of course, our friends at Tomahawk Shades. Head over to Tomahawk Shades website, tomahawkshades.com. Enter the code USP when you go to check out. Going to save you 25% off your entire order. And then, of course, our friends at Manscaped, the best in men's below the waist grooming, manscaped.com. Enter the code USP at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. Your balls will certainly thank you for using our promo code, as will the bills we have to pay. So shout out Manscaped, and uh, we'll catch you guys later this week. More uh, discussions. No Eagles enemies this week, which is great, but a uh, new episode of the Dan Russo Show should be coming out either uh, tomorrow or on Friday recapping their game because Matt Vineland Football has Thursday night football this week. Uh, very very nice. excited. I should be on the call again. Uh, if you guys watch the game, it's YouTube.com. Just search Vineland Public Schools, and uh, I'll be doing play-by-play. Many people are calling you the Al Michaels of South Jersey. People are saying that uh, I have Joe Buck tendencies. So <laughs> Joe Buck's a great announcer. He's awesome. The older I've love gotten, me, the more me. I've come to appreciate Joe Buck. I absolutely Buck. love me some Joe Buck. You know what I've appreciated a lot more recently, too? Troy Aikman. Because he is like yeah. he has crossed into this like path now of being like angry uncle watching the game with <laughs> where he's just like he's not really hiding like any kind of bias not that he's biased towards right teams, but like they try and stay as neutral as possible and not you know you don't want to be like diminishing the product he could not have been more angry the chicago bears on this bay he was every sentence was about how awful they were and how bad of a team they are and you can't believe that an nfl team is this bad and that the game was that close <laughs> And I just loved it. I loved every second of it. Uh, so make sure you guys tune in uh, to support Violent Football because they support us, and we can't thank them enough as well. Um, and hopefully they come away with another win, coming off their first win of the season uh, last week. So shout out to our friends at Violent Football. And uh, new episode of Mando Mondays covering the Mandalorian out every single Monday on the Streamer Season podcast feed. And uh, very much looking forward to that that next episode. But – This has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 280. For Matt, I'm KB. We are signing off. Stay safe. Do the right thing and be kind to one another. Peace.